Proverbs 27, verse number 8. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Between my house and my barn is a a gate about halfway down through down the driveway and one of the fence posts holding that gate has got a hole in it and every year there's a bluebird nest in that fence stake and you know down on the inside of that she's probably I'd say she's down a foot or close to it you talk about a real hedge around her you know, undiscernible to most, all things. But the Lord says this, As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Maybe you could, maybe you could get a picture of that. You know, if a man leaves his place, and what that word really means, it means a place to stand. If a man departs from his place where he should stand, if he removes from where he should be standing, if he retreats from that place, it's like a bird leaving the nest. You know, it's a, it's a dangerous place. As I think about that, you know, there's a nest that's exposed and everything that's in it. You know, it might be have little birds in it. It may have eggs in it. But when that bird wanders from the nest, there's great exposure there. If a man wanders from where he should be standing, there's great danger there. So I'd like to look in Second Samuel chapter 11... And you know this scripture very well, I would say. So this is the chapter of, of, of David and where David takes Bathsheba and the results of it. But I'd like to say this to start with, or I'd like to ask you this really. You know, when I say, David, what's your thought? What's the first thought? I'd say even these little fellows over here maybe have a thought. I believe honestly there's two thoughts that come to the mind quickly, and that's Goliath and Bathsheba. I believe that's the, what comes to most people's mind is Goliath and Bathsheba. But I'd like to just, just refresh your mind a little bit. 1 Samuel 13 David is uh, mentioned as a man after God's own heart. Samuel 16, it was a time when he was the very least an anointed king. In Samuel chapter number 17, he went out and fought Goliath and encouraged the whole house of Israel. All of Israel had fled and was laying in the ditches and in the trenches and by what he did, they got up and pursued the Philistines. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 25, Abigail said that he fought the Lord's battles. And in Samuel chapter number 30, he inquired of the Lord whether it was down at Ziklag. You talk about a man that was after God. A man that had the presence of God. A man that had direction from God. But in chapter number 11 is a man who left his place. A man who left just as the bird wandered from her nest. Here is a man, and I say this is not just for man. It's for mankind. It's for men and women as well. But I'd like for us to just look at this man and think about how that this man has wandered from his place. How this man has left his place where he should stand. Chapter 11, 2 Samuel. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the kings when, at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. So where's David? He's not in his place. Where should David be? David should be, and I, I, I believe we ought to think about this. You know what it's been? It's, it's been a season of ease. The beginning of the year for Israelites was probably around April, March or April, springtime. So you know there's been a season to relax. A season that things have been going well. But the Bible said that it was the season that kings go out to war. And the king is not at war. The king is still at Jerusalem. The ark is down there at the battle. The presence of God and David are separated from one another. The presence of God, and, and know this folks, we're in a battle. Whether you realize that or not, we're in a battle every day of our life. The devil would like to destroy the nest. The devil would like to destroy uh, the family of God. The devil would like to destroy the church. The devil would like to destroy his Israel. And here is David. And again, I remind you, a man who was after God's own heart, a man who was anointed a king, a man who encouraged and stirred up Israel, a man who went out when nobody else would and fought the giant, a man who fought the Lord's battle, a man who had killed his ten thousands, and here is a man who is out of place. Here is a man who is not in his place. What a dangerous place to be. It's no more dangerous than that bird leaving the nest, a snake laying right there, a friend, uh, 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 some other bird, uh, whatever it might be there to destroy the nest and to destroy everything that's in the nest. Oh my God, what a place that we're in today uh, that the devil would like to destroy everything that there is. And here is David the king. Here is someone with knowledge. Here is someone who knows. Here is someone who is anointed of God. Here is someone who has 
been in the battle. Here is someone who God has brought. And the honest to God truth is, you know what He did? He brought him from the sheepfold. And the reason he is here is because God has blessed him to be here. You know why there is a nest? You know why there is a family? You know why there is a palace? You know why there is a king? Because God has done that work. Uh, Because it was God who watched over him. It was God who sheltered him. It was the favor of God all through his life up to this point. Uh, Friend, that's the reason that there is a palace and there is an Israel and there is a family and there is an Abigail and there is a sons and daughters. That's the reason they're all there is because of the hand of God being there. But now, the ark is down at Rabbah. Israel's in Rabbah. Joab's in Rabbah. The battle's at Rabbah. Where's David? David's at Jerusalem. If we looked at it from a military standpoint, he's left his post, hadn't he? He's left his post. He's not in his place. As a bird wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Here is a man that's not in his place. So let's think about this a little. It came to pass at the end, as the year, the end of the year uh, went by. That's really what it was. It was the return of the year. A new year had come around for them, and kings go out to battle. It's a time. It, it's it's not a time. And I say this, folks, this is a battle for the family, a battle for the mind, a battle for the heart, a battle for the glory of God. It's a battle for all of that. All of that is at stake right here. And if we are not in our place, know this, that all of those things come into the equation and friend, the mind is gone. The heart is out of place. The thoughts are out of place. David's thought, is his thought on the war? Is his thought on the battle? Is his thought uh, for Israel? No, I tell you, his thought is not there. In fact, at three o'clock in the afternoon, at the, in the evening tides, what the Bible said, the evening tides started at three in the afternoon. You know what that was a time for? Prayer. When did they pray? Third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour. This is the ninth hour of the day. Where is David at the ninth hour of the day? The Bible says this. The Bible said that that Joab, he sent Joab. (laughs) You know, I ask you this. How did that work out when they went down and they sent the 3,000 to Ai? That didn't turn out good, did it? Oh, I tell you, I can't send somebody else to do my job. I can't put anybody else in my place. I can't send somebody else to do what I'm supposed to do, nor you send anybody else to do what you're supposed to do. Every man has got his own place. In one, in one Scripture it said, and every man stood in his place round about the camp. I see where David is. David is out of his place. And friend, when we leave our place, 
then we leave just as a bird leaves the nest. We leave everything to expose uh, to the to the terror to the to the devil, a uh, friend to that that is out to destroy, and friend to bring havoc and to bring shame and to bring disgrace on the family of God. So here's David, and the Bible says. David tarried still, it means to sit or to dwell. So the years gone by, here we are, separated, he's at ease. He's, he, he's at, at three o'clock in the afternoon, he's on the bed. On the bed. Israel's in the battle, and David's in the bed. Is he in his place? No, ma'am, and no, sir. He's not in his place. Is there a war going on? You better believe there's a war going on and David is not in his place. David is on the bed of ease. So let, let's think about this. Uh, uh, here, here he is. And the Bible said, And it came to pass at the evening time, uh, eventide, that David arose from off of his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now I ask you this. You know, I've, I've heard people say, well, now this was Bathsheba's fault. I don't see it that way. Maybe you might see it that way. But I say this, I, and this is opinion, but I'd say she was enclosed. But you know where he is? He's up on the high perch, isn't he? Where should he be? He should be down in the valley at Rabbah, shouldn't he? He should be down at ground level, shouldn't he? But where is he? He's up on the king's palace, up on the roof of the palace. You know, he would have a totally different view if he was in his place, wouldn't he? You know that, that little bird, that little bird down there that, that raises in that fence state? When she's down inside there, I tell you the view is a whole lot different. What she sees is a hedge around her. What she sees is her little babies around her. What she sees is a, uh, is a nest in there. And what David had, David had a hedge around him for year after year after year. And God had blessed him and strengthened him and, and hedged him about. And here is David. And David has left the nest and left where God placed him, and here he is out of his place on the roof of the palace. And you know what he's got? He's got the wrong view. And that's the way it is. When we're out of our place, you know what? We got the wrong view. We're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at things that we've got no business looking at. We've got our eye on something that does not belong to us. We've got our eye roving, and I'll tell you what else is roving. The mind is roving. When we're out of our place, I believe you could say this and be fair. I believe if I'm away from the Word of God, I'm away from the Holy Ghost of God, I'm away from the preaching of God, I'm away from there, it won't be long until my mind and my eye will be roving somewhere else. It won't be long till I'll be looking for something that suits me better. It won't be long until I'll think, well, you know it looks a lot better right over there. I'll tell you what it 
it'll be when you get over there. It'll be just as rotten as it is where you are now because you'll be the one. Uh, friend, I tell you, you and I are still in the equation. No matter what you do, you're still in the equation. What we need to do is get in our place. David's out of place. And when you're out of place and I'm out of place, the view's wrong. If he was in his place, you know what he'd be looking at? He'd be looking at a bunch of men, a friend with their swords drawn and with their spears out and with their horses ready to overrun Israel and to destroy them and to destroy God's family. Our friend, what he'd be looking at is a war. He'd be praying at 3 o'clock in the afternoon if he was down there in the battle instead on the rooftop looking at a woman and lusting after her. He's out of place. So the Bible said in the evening tide, he walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman. Now the Bible says after he sent her home, it said this, And she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. You know, it very well could be that she's bathing because of the monthly cycle. That's what they did. But isn't it amazing that when she comes one afternoon, she's pregnant. You look at the timing. You look how this works out. So David's looking at her. David in his mind. Where is his mind? I tell you, his imagination's going, isn't it? You know what he's thinking? He's thinking about this woman, this beautiful woman, this gorgeous woman, this woman. And the Bible says this, she was washing herself and the woman was very beautiful exceedingly or abundantly beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. Now isn't it amazing that David one time inquired after God? That one time David inquired after God. Uh, that David said, God, shall I go? Uh, God, shall I pursue? God, would you have me to go? God said, wait till the moving, uh, 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 the goings in the top of the mulberry trees. Uh, David, then you can go. But you know what he's doing here? There's no inquiring of God. I'll tell you the reason there's no inquiring of God. Uh, friend, because this is wrong. You know something? There's no need for me to even pray about this. No need for me to even go down this road because I already know that it's wrong. I already know that it's out of the will of God. I already know this is the wrong thing. I already know that's not mine. I already got a wife at the house. I've already got a fine Abigail. And what am I going to do because I'm out of my place? I'm going to search after and inquire after a woman. It's not mine. He's out of his place. Think with me. I'm not trying to be graphic. I'm just, I, I just want you to see how that God brings all of this mess together. You say, well, God's not in this mess. God's in this. I'm not saying David's not responsible, but I'm telling you that that, time, that timing, 
That timing's critical. And David sent and inquired after the woman. Now listen, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So not only does David know, not only does David know this is not right, he now knows that this woman belongs to another man. And that's not enough. This woman belongs to one of his mighty men. This woman belongs to one of his faithful men. This woman belongs to one that is protecting him and fighting for Israel and loving Israel and loving to be a warrior. This is a man, and you know what? David knows this wife, this woman does not belong to me. This woman belongs to one of my mighty men. You talk about knowledge. Now he's got knowledge, doesn't he? He knows. Does he know what he's doing? He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly. But the mind, the mind says how wonderful this is going to be. Your eyes down there in the battle. Nobody will ever know about it. God knew about it. The deputy, whoever he sent after her knew about it. Joab knew about it. God knows about it. And David knows about it. Who is this woman? Isn't this the wife of Uriah? Isn't this the daughter of Amiel? Isn't this, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam or Amiel, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Well, what are you going to do about that? Well, I ask you, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it when we are not in our place and we know where our place ought to be when we're looking and our mind is fantasizing and our mind and our imagination, we're thinking how wonderful this is going to be. We're thinking how great it's going to be. I'll tell you what, that's the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. I'll, I'll say this, friend. Oh, God, help us to realize today the Lord loves you. Our brother's already told us how he loved us. He loved us loves us like He loves His Son. He loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us, friend, a friend like He loves His own Son. We're part of a family. And I'll say today, He loved David like that. And David is going to go against the will of God. David is going to go against the Word of God. He's going to go against his own conscience. He's going to go against what's been revealed to him. He's going to go against everything that he knows. When we leave our place, you talk about disaster. We're headed for disaster. Who is she? I'd like to read a little scripture to you out of the 32nd, 32nd Psalm. I believe you ought to look with me if you can. 32 8. 32 8. The Bible says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Is God instructing David? He's not taking the instruction, but God's instructing him, isn't he? 
Does he know who this woman is? Can you see how weighty that it is? Can you see how far out of his place that he is? That here is a man that guards and protects and loves Israel and probably loves David. He's going to sleep with his wife. Not the Ammonites. Not the king of the Philistines' wife. His strong man, his mighty man's wife. <clears throat> Who is she? Is this, is this not the daughter of Amiel? Is this not Uriah's wife? 32.8 Psalm I will instruct thee and teach thee. I tell you something, friend. God Almighty is sending David a word. God Almighty is sending David a word and letting him know, David, I'm instructing you here. I'm, uh, David, I, I, I'm giving you a word. I'm guiding you. I'm, I'm looking at your situation, David, and I'm giving you a word that you need to get in your place. I tell you what he should have done. He should have saddled his ass that moment or his horse or got his chariot and his chariot men and said, get me to the battle. I'm about to destroy myself. Be not. Now he's talking to human beings. Be not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding whose mouth must be held with a bit and a bridle lest they come near unto thee. You know how you're going to get a horse to come near? You're going to put a bridle on him and you're going to, or a halter and put it on him and you're going to grab him by the neck. Most likely he's going to want to go the other way. But you know, God, we're not a horse. We're not a mule. God's give us understanding. God's give us intelligence. I, I mean, like Balaam, Balaam's ass had more sense than Balaam did. Balaam's eyes were closed. David's eyes are closed right here. And his, his mind has taken over the logic and the spiritual understanding that God is showing him. And because of what he sees with his natural eye, he has lost his mind. And the Lord said, don't be like a mule. Don't be like a horse with no understanding that i got to put a bit and a bridle on you to bring you near to me. Let me ask you, what will it take to bring us to our place? What will it take for God to bring us where we're supposed to be? Is God going to have to put a bit and a bridle in our mouth? Are we going to have to have a bridle put on that we would come near to God? Is God going to bring destruction to bring us near to God? That's what it says here in 32, 8 and 9. Don't be like the, don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding. You think David understands who Bathsheba is? There's no question whatsoever. He understands perfectly who she is. Without a question, he knows exactly who Bathsheba is. So I ask you this, another scripture. Second first uh, first Samuel chapter number two. 
verse number 25. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 25. Here's Eli speaking to his boys. Are his boys out of place? You better believe they're out of place. They are knowingly, willingly, obstinately going against the will and the Word of God. And this is what Eli says. Eli says, if one man sin against another, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do Vaughn wrong. I'm going to cheat him on something. What did he do? He'd take me to court. He'd take me to court, sue me, get what belongs to him. Who do you sue when you go against God? Who's going to plead your case when you sin against God? You got anybody to plead your case when you sin against God? When I willingly, knowingly sin against God? I'm not talking about a mistake. I'm talking about an absolute, obstinate, willing disobedience a deliberate disobedience unto the Word of God. And you know how that began? It began with David not being in his place. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Who can entreat for David? There's no entreaty here. We're sinning against knowledge. We're sinning against conscience. He's sinning against the Word of God. He's sinning against the known will of God. Is there any entreating here? I tell you, there's no entreating. And David sent messengers. So what's he going to do? I tell you, he's going to go get her anyway. He's going to go bring her to his house. Where's all of this going on? It's all going on right here. And then it's going to transpire in the flesh. Then it's going to transpire. It's it's going to come to pass. Let's look. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came into him and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanliness and she returned unto her house. David's not in his place. He took Bathsheba out of her place. He removed her from her nest. He removed her from her family. He removed her and defiled her between her and her husband. He defiled her. Listen listen to these words. He lay with her for she was purified from her uncleanliness and she returned unto her house. How long did this great, wonderful, beautiful, God-sent romance last? Well, it must have started somewhere around 3 to 5 in the evening, I would imagine, wouldn't you? Probably home before dark. And not called on again till she sends word that she's pregnant. And how long that's going to be? It's going to be about a month. It's going to be about a month. Things are not, not like they should be. Things are not like they normally are. 
something, something's not right here. You see this timing. You see how this worked. A month later, a month later, the family's been defiled. David has gone and lay with his mighty man's wife. And friend, all because he's not in his place. And a month later, there's no interaction between Bathsheba and David for a month. And a month later, she has to send word to him. You think he's out of place. You know what all of this is? Selfishness. That's what it is. It's all about me. You know, maybe David, maybe David thinks, well, you know, I'm the king. I've fought and fought and fought and fought for years. It's about time for me to take a break. It's about time. I hear, I hear people a lot, a lot. I believe David might even, might even said this as well. People say, you know, I deserve this, or I deserve that, or I deserve this, or I believe God wants that. I tell you, you know what God wants. David knew what God wanted and what he did was not what God wanted. I'll tell you what I deserve and I'll tell you what you deserve. We deserve to be lifting our eyes in hell. We deserve to have no nest. We deserve to have no family. He deserved to have no palace. He deserved to have no Abigail. He didn't deserve the favor of God and neither do you. I'll tell you what we deserve. We deserve the wrath of God. That's what we deserve. And God has blessed. You know what God said about it? Chapter 12, He said, You despise My commandment. Not only did you despise My commandment, you killed Uriah with the sword of the Ammonites. You killed your own mighty man. Imagine when word gets out to the troops. It probably didn't happen immediately. It's probably kept secret for a while. We got it in God's Word. Imagine when it gets around to the troops that David was the reason that Uriah was killed in battle. It was because David was trying to cover up his sin. Because David wasn't in his place. Because David slew Uriah. I'll tell you what God did. God charged him with premeditated murder and gave him, handed him over to the enemy and let his mighty man be slain by the enemy. Because this man's not in his place. God said, you despise my commandment. But he got it down closer. He said, you despise me, David. Now you think about despising God. You think this is what it means to disesteem, to scorn, to make light, or to think of no account. You know what David thought about God's commandment? Well, I'm going to have what I want. It doesn't really matter to me that this is Bathsheba's wife. It doesn't really matter to me that I'm committing adultery. It doesn't really matter to me that I'm causing her to commit adultery. It doesn't really matter to me what the consequences are. I'll tell you what that is. That is a disdain to God. 
Listen to another meaning of the word disdain. To raise the head loftily. David raised his head loftily against the commandments and against the God who had given him all that he had. So David's going to cover up his sin. Or that's the plan, isn't it? You know the story. Look what a man Uriah is. Verse 11. Sent Uriah, brought him to the house. How's the battle going? Sent a mess of meat with him. Go home. Go to, go to your house. He slept at the king's door. He slept with the rest of the servants. The next day, he makes him drunk. Go down to your house. Haven't you been on a journey? Why don't you go home? You, you've been away from home a good while. Your eye said to David, verse 11, look what's on his mind. The ark, the presence of God, and Israel, the people of God, and Judah, abide in tents, and my Lord Joab, the captain of the host, and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. You know what this man's mind is on? This man's mind is on the war. This man's mind is on winning the war and not allowing the devil and the enemy to overrun and to destroy the house of God. You know what David's interested in? Covering his sin. Having what he wants. Selfishness. That's what he's interested in. Having what he wants. I'll tell you what a man this year I is. And he said, Are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go down to my house and eat and drink and to lie with my wife as thou livest? And as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. I tell you what, he may not been down at Rabbah, but I tell you, his heart was still in Rabbah. He may not been down to the battle, but his heart was in the battle. I'll tell you what, I, uh, uh, this man Uriah was, he was in the right place. David left his place. Uriah's in the right place. Well, we've run out of options. We're going to cover, if I'm going to cover my sin, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send a letter by the hand of your eye that's got premeditated murder on the inside of it. Ain't that something? Sealed. Sealed with David's stamp. With a stamp of the king. Ain't that something? The stamp of the king is going to murder his mighty man. Is he out of place in heart? Is he out of place in mind? Is he out of place in desire? Is he out of place in the will of God? He's out of his place. 
And when he's out of his place, he doesn't care who he destroys, does he? <coughs> does he care about Bathsheba? <laughs> Why, no, he don't care about Bathsheba. Does he care about Uriah? Does he care about Israel? Only person he's thinking about is himself. That's all. All that is on his mind is selfishness. My God, you talk about devilish. Look how devilish. If forgiveness and self-sacrifice and giving of oneself as the Lord Jesus Christ did is a, is a manifestation of love, what are we looking at in chapter number 11? We're looking at the manifestation of selfishness and absolute devilishness. Preacher, you're talking about God's own man, a man after God's own heart. He was when he was in his place. When he left his place, he turned into a devil. When Peter was in the presence of Almighty God, he knew who Jesus was. When Peter was in the presence of God and God was revealing in, unto him who Christ was, he said, Thou art the Son of the living God. Uh, but then when J Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified, oh no, Lord, that ain't going to happen to you. No, you're going to stay and be a king and I'm going to be your right hand man. I tell you what that is. Devilish. Self. Self. Self, self. Reckon he ever thought about the nest God had given? You reckon he ever thought about all of those children that he had there at Jerusalem? Reckon he thought about that fine wife Abigail? My God, what a woman he had. He had to go after somebody else's wife. He's out of place. He's out of place. Just a little more and I'll hush. So he wrote the letter. Sent it. Joab put him in the forefront of the battle, withdrew from him, let him get killed. Now listen. Nathan comes to David, gives a little parable in chapter number 12. So here's the poor man, huh? wonder how many wives David's got. I know he's got at least two at the moment. Got several children. Got any and all the women he wants according to the will of God. Got all the concubines he wants. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to take this man's one little ewe lamb. He's got a flock. He's got a huge herd. He's going to take this man's little ewe lamb this is what the Bible said. There came a traveler, chapter 12, verse 4. And the rich man spared not to take of his own flock, of his own herd, to dress the wayfaring man that was come. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how I can see what's wrong with you, Vaughn, and I can't see what's wrong with me? Isn't it amazing how, how that your mistreatment of somebody, how that it makes it my blood boil. But when you're out of place, you don't ever see it in yourself, do you? 
when you're not in your place. So David's anger was greatly kindled. He said, As the Lord liveth, the man that has done this shall surely die. Is that what should have happened? That's exactly what should have happened. That's exactly what should have happened. David should have died. But by the grace and the mercy of God, he didn't die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing. Boy, now listen to this. And had no pity. Did David have pity on Bathsheba? Did David have pity on Uriah? Did David have any pity? There was no pity. Nathan said, you're the man, David. You're the one who had no pity. You're the man who was out of place. You're the man who despised God. I gave you... Listen, I tell you, today folks are so blind to what God has given them, so blind to who, who's brought them to where they are. Uh, friend, I tell you, we're, we're just crazy. We're like a mad dog. I'm going to bite the hand off of the man that's feeding us. We're going to spit in God's face. That's what David's done. This is what the Bible says. You read it with me, please. 12 and 8. I gave thee. The Lord said. The Lord said, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives, the house of Israel, the house of Judah. And if that was too little... I would moreover have given done to thee such and such things. In my time, in my will, according to the will of God, if there was something else you wanted, I tell you what we ought to do. We ought to ask God. But you know what the problem is? David can't ask God for Bathsheba, can he? David can't ask God for this because he knows it's out of the will of God. You want something? Ask God for it. And if He wants you to have it, He can give it to you. But otherwise, we're despising God. Otherwise, he said, You killed your eye with a sword. Verse number, verse number 14. By this deed, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord. Isn't it something that David's actions is going to glorify the enemy and they're going to blaspheme God. God is going to bear the shame of David's wickedness. Isn't that something? That God has given all of this to him and God is going to have to bear the shame of David being out of place. Thou hast by this deed has given great occasion to the enemies to blaspheme. Great shame and scandal. You talk about a scandal at Jerusalem. There was a scandal, wasn't there? Did you hear? Oh, the devil loves it, doesn't he? Doesn't the devil love it? Did you hear? Did you hear what David did? 
Did you hear what He did? Did you hear how that God had blessed Him and what He did? Makes God look awful, doesn't it? Blasphemy toward God. You know what's going to happen? The sword's going to come down on David's house. The pleasure, I don't know, half an hour, hour and a half, two or three hours. How long's the destruction going to last? As long as he lives. As long as he lives, this blot is going to be on his life. As long as he lives, the sword of the Lord the destruction and the, and, and the wrath of God is going to be there from now on. Because He left His place. Read with me one more time and I'll, I believe I can stop after this. One more time in the 23rd chapter of 2 Samuel. Here's another one of David's mighty men. Verse 11. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a place, a piece of ground full of lentils. So that was either beans or peas. And what strikes me about it is you know how beans and peas, how viney they are. How are you going to keep your foot? God. God keep his foot. Listen. Was a piece of ground full of lentils and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood. Where's he at? Praise God, he's in his place. He stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord brought a great victory. You know what happened here? Here's a man who is mindful that this, this patch of lentils is somebody's little nest. You know, if you would have had three acres of acre in 1965, a friend, and it come a hailstorm and destroyed all of it, that might have very well been your nest for that year. Your nest may have been destroyed. I'll tell you, here's, here's a people that's dependent on this little crop, this little, this little field of lentils, this little field of peas or beans, and this man Shammah, what's he doing? I see what he's doing. He's standing in his place. He stood his ground. And friend, he fought off the Philistines. He defended the ground. And he destroyed the enemy. And I'll tell you who did it all. God did it. God didn't do it without him. God did it with him. God did it through him. Because he was in his place. God wrought a great victory because he was in his place. That's all that's on my heart.